Unlock a new skill. Unlock your inner confidence. Unlock the next level in your career. Whatever your job history, you can get the skills you need to unlock the job you want. There are hundreds of free opportunities for adults. From learning essential maths, to skills boot camps in digital, and qualifications to help you get where you want to be. Unlock your potential. Unlock your phone and visit gov.uk slash skillsforlife today. One child was born to immigrant parents who had recently separated. Rumours would swirl that he was sold and sent to Africa. His would be the longest-running abduction case in the United Kingdom. One child was born to a happily married Caucasian couple. It would be their firstborn, but her abduction from a London hospital would receive worldwide headlines before her safe recovery two weeks later. Hers would be the first abduction from a maternity ward in the United Kingdom. The difference being the media exposure the two cases received and the intensity of the police investigation. We have all heard of missing white woman syndrome and the assumed preference the public has towards pretty white upper middle class victims. English journalist Philip Henshaw wrote, quote, It is harder to make a good story out of a missing black child than out of one with blonde hair and blue eyes, unquote. Accusations of racism being the catalyst between the differences these two cases were treated. Two cases with the only difference being the colour of the baby's skin. All that matters, though, or that we should be focusing on, is the missing child who has not been seen in more than 30 years, leaving his family desperate for answers. This is Amos's story. It's now 48 hours since baby Amos Glover was reported missing by his father Paul. Today, the child's distraught mother, Shanika, made an emotional plea for his return. Please, please give that to me, son. Shanika's estranged husband told police the five-month-old baby was snatched from the back of his car while he drew cash from a dispenser in Southall and collected some takeaway food. Forensic tests on the car are continuing. Last night, police questioned people in the area but found no firm clues. I have, I have no evidence at this stage of any independent person who saw the baby in the car but was still looking, and it's, it, it's very early stages yet to, to, to make any further comment on that, that we're still looking. And there's a lot of effort going into trying to find the witnesses that would help us. Southall police have been questioning Mr Glover at length, and Shanika said the waiting was an ordeal for them both. How have you been managing? It's been terrible. It went through a lot. And your husband, how's he been coping too? He's been going through the same thing what I have been going through. Tonight, police are to set up a special unit in the Southall area in the hope of finding witnesses. They're also keen to trace a woman who phoned a public helpline in the early hours of today. Officers believe she may have vital information on the case. This is Teresa Driscoll for Thames News.
Amos Glover was born August 21, 1989, to parents Shanika Ondaki and Paul Glover, who were immigrants from Ghana. Shanika and Paul were both quite young, so as per the guidelines in the United Kingdom, Amos was placed on the Social Services at Risk Registry. Now, it is important to outline this right away. There was and has never been any evidence of allegations that Amos was ever abused or that there was ever any abuse between the parents. The at-risk listing was purely because his parents were teenagers and he would be removed from this registry, coincidentally, on the morning of his disappearance. In the months following Amos' birth, Shanika and Paul unfortunately separated, and Paul moved out of the family home and into a hostel in South London. While there was no legal divorce, both were dating other people and moving on with their lives. Shanika and Paul were both very dedicated to raising their son and came to an arrangement where both parents would spend equal time with the toddler. Working from home, late afternoon is dragging into evening, each video call melting into one, stretching and melting. Like oozy mozzarella on a piping hot pizza delivered by Uber Eats. And those video tiles on screen are spicy tiles of pepperoni and salami nestling on that melty mozzarella bed. Search ZZ for easy ordering on Uber Eats. Don't drool, you're on camera. Check the Uber Eats app for geographical restrictions and availability. On February 5th, 1990... Paul contacted Shanika and requested to keep Amos one more night. Shanika was hesitant but agreed to the extension of time between father and son. At around 6pm, Paul decided he wanted some takeaway for dinner and placed Amos dressed in a blue and yellow coat, light green onesie and blue and yellow hat into his car seat on the back seat of the car. The pair drove in Paul's blue Ford Sierra to South Road in Southall. Once there, for whatever reason that has never been explained, Paul made the tragic decision to leave Amos in the car while he went to get some money out from Lloyd's Bank and get his dinner from the local curry house. Now it is possible that Paul called in his order ahead of time and thought he'd be only gone for a couple of minutes. Maybe Amos was asleep. It was after 6pm and around Amos's sleep time. And February in London is bitterly cold and maybe Paul didn't want to expose his baby to the elements. For whatever reason he did, He triple-checked the car door was locked and he would leave Amos in the car alone for approximately 20 minutes. South Hall in West London is a very busy suburb, especially around dinner time with restaurants, shops and takeaways lining the streets. 
South Road is considered the high street, and there would have been a lot of pedestrians and traffic that time of the evening. Maybe this also gave Paul a sense of safety. But as I said, 20 minutes later, Paul returned to his car with his takeaway and immediately realised his son was gone. He ran into the nearby Hamilton estate agents and called the police. There was no delay in an investigation beginning due to the very young age of the child involved. I mean, this could not be a runaway situation. This was obviously an abduction of some kind. Police went about with door-to-door inquiries and would question upwards of 2,000 people in shops and takeaway restaurants that evening. Despite the high number of people in the area, no one witnessed an abduction or crying baby. Heartbroken Shanika faced the media to plea for the return of her baby. Quote, Sometimes I see young boys in the street and can't help but wonder if one of them is Amos. Unquote. Forensic investigation of Paul's Ford Sierra would show no sign of forced break in. This is despite Paul being adamant he checked that the vehicle was locked several times. There was also no foreign fingerprints or any other evidence on the vehicle that indicated an unknown perpetrator took Amos. Police also set up a telephone tip line, hoping that some leads would eventuate. Unfortunately, the only call they would receive would be a message on an answering machine from a woman in the early hours of the following morning. However, police were unable to trace the call, and this woman never called back with the information she had. Due to the circumstances of Shanika and Paul being separated and Paul requesting the additional time with Amos only for him to go missing. Police initially set their sights on Paul as the one and only suspect. Commentators have been very critical of this and have accused the Metropolitan Police of ingrained racism and tunnel vision. However, Shanika has publicly stated that she believes the police did everything possible at the time. English journalist Philip Hessner would write an article for the Independent newspaper in the decades that followed. Frustrated at not only the police investigation in Amos's case, but also the media reporting on the case, especially when compared to more high-profile and similar cases such as Madeleine McCann and Ben Needman, he would write, quote, "'It is harder to make a good story out of a missing black child.'" than out of one with blonde hair and blue eyes, unquote. The circumstances in which Baby Ames uh, was abducted or went missing, uh, the initial investigation looked at all those circumstances and was unable to corroborate any of them at all. So it may well be that um, Baby Ames uh, went missing uh, one or two days prior to his reported disappearance. Back to the investigation, the police could not justify why Paul would leave a child of Amos's age alone in the car for any length of time. Not only because of what happened, but also because what could have happened. What if Amos cried or was choking? 
Also, there was no heat in the vehicle, and as I mentioned previously, London in February is very cold. Due to these reasons and the at-risk registry listing, that was enough reason for the police to arrest Paul on suspicion of kidnapping. 2020, it has been a tough one. And more than ever, we are working from home, staying at home and socialising at home. It can be stressful and isolating and lonely. Depression and anxiety are at an all-time high. I know that between work, the podcast and my family, I'm not going to drive to talk to someone even when I need it. It's hard to make time for yourself. What if you could talk to a licensed professional therapist in the comfort and convenience of your own home? You don't need to even get dressed out of your pyjamas. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp will assess your individual needs and match you with the best therapist to listen to you 24-7. You can message your therapist at any time you need them. And in the unlikely situation you want to change it up, BetterHelp will be there to easily match you with another counsellor, free of charge. Be one of the millions that use BetterHelp to improve their mental health and well-being. In fact, so many people are using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counsellors in all 50 states of the United States. We want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener to Stolen Lives, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com stolen. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash stolen. The police informed the media they had solved the crime and were just waiting for Paul to tell them what he did with Amos. And because of this, the media stopped reporting and appealing for witnesses to come forward. The garden of the hostel where Paul was staying was dug up, but nothing was found and ultimately police had no choice but to release Paul with no charges. In the months that followed, Shanika and Paul would reconcile and Shanika would fall pregnant again. Unfortunately, possibly because of the stress of the situation, Shanika suffered a miscarriage. And then she would attempt suicide twice. She and Paul would again separate, this time for good. Amos's case would go cold and the police closed the investigation. The only suspect was cleared and they had nothing else to go on. And the story would quietly leave the minds of everyone, besides Shanika and Paul, for 12 long years. Due to Shanika's insistence, the case was reopened in early 2002, under the control of Scotland Yard's Racial and Violent Crimes Task Force. A reward of £10,000 was offered for information, but again no tips would be received. That would be until several months later, in June 2002, when a message was received to the tip line answering machine from an African-sounding man. He claimed to have information on Amos's whereabouts. 
that Paul had arranged for Amos to be sent back to Ghana to live with his extended family there. The man did not leave his details and despite numerous requests from the media for him to call again, he never did. This again elevated Paul back to number one suspect. That it was possible that Paul sold Amos for financial gain. Armed with this information, in November 2003, 22 Scotland Yard detectives travelled to Ghana. Two boys who were around the age Amos would be at the time, 14 years old, they were interviewed and DNA tested, but the results concluded that neither boy was Amos, and the detectives would return back to the United Kingdom empty-handed. Paul is currently living in North London and has chosen not to take part in any of the appeals for his son. Shanika went on to remarry and has had two more children. The only memory of her son is the few photos she has of him. She has never given up on finding answers on what happened to her Amos. Quote, Although I have tried to move on, there is always a part of me that cannot. I need to know what happened to Amos. Unquote. At the time of his disappearance, Amos Glover was five months old. He is of African descent with black hair and brown eyes. Amos may still be alive and living with another family, something I think is very likely in this case. Amos could be living in the United Kingdom or living in Ghana. He could be anywhere in the world. Amos could be living with another family under another identity, not knowing he has a mother and siblings that miss him very much. If Amos Glover is still alive today, he would be 31 years old. There have not been many theories in Amos's case besides him being trafficked to Africa. But the case of another missing child... Stolen from their parents' care at only 36 hours old, would bring up discussion on whether there was a black market ring operating out of London. There is also a very interesting comparison between the exposure and public interest between the two very similar cases in January of 1990 in the same city. Alexandra Griffiths, or Alex, as she was lovingly nicknamed by her parents. Alex was born January 9th, 1990, to parents Dawn Griffiths and Geoffrey Harris in St Thomas's Hospital in London, United Kingdom. Dawn was your usual nervous first-time mother. She did not want Alex out of her sight, holding her hand on her baby's chest to make sure she was still breathing, something I did myself with all three of my children. On January 11, 1990, a health worker from the hospital introduced herself to Dawn and told her her name was Christine. She told her she needed to take Alex for only a short while to weigh the baby. Exhausted, Dawn agreed, but still anxious for Christine to bring her daughter back to her. 
Minutes quickly ticked by, yet Christine did not return with her newborn daughter. She pushed the help buzzer and a nurse informed her there was no one at the hospital that worked there by the name Christine. And it was not on her charts for Alex to be waded that day. The police were immediately called and the hospital locked down, but it was too late. The woman calling herself Christine had left with baby Alex. Dawn gave an appeal in the press conference, still wearing her hospital gown, begging for the return of her baby. Quote, Please just bring her back. I love her so much. I really want her back and she needs me. Unquote. The abduction of Alex Griffiths would quickly become front page news all over the world. A £20,000 reward was issued for the safe return of Alex and the apprehension of her abductor. And so often with these cases, we get a devastating ending or decades of unanswered questions, like with Amos Glover. Thankfully for Dawn and Jeffrey, they would have their daughter returned to their arms only 17 days later. On January 26, 1990, police received an anonymous tip from a local resident to report a woman who she had seen with a newborn baby. The thing was, this woman wasn't pregnant before that. The police rushed to the house and would find Alex sleeping unharmed upstairs. This woman was 33-year-old Janet Griffith, an unemployed nurse who had previously worked at the St Thomas Hospital, where she abducted baby Alex. According to court records, Griffith claimed she stole Alex in a desperate attempt to keep her millionaire boyfriend, that she had told him she was pregnant and needed a baby to continue with the charade. The courts would not believe this story and Griffith would be sentenced to a term in a psychiatric hospital. However, she would die of cancer only three years later. And although Janet Griffith would be apprehended before Amos Glover's abduction, it has been theorised on Unsolved Mystery and True Crime forums that possibly the two cases are linked, that due to the close vicinity and time frame and the circumstances surrounding the abductions, that maybe there was a black market child ring operating out of London in early 1990. It has also been speculated in one blog that maybe this high-profile case influenced someone's decision to steal a baby, and they had the perfect opportunity when they saw baby Amos sleeping alone in the car. If you have your own thoughts about the case we discussed today or any case we talk about on this podcast, please search Stolen Lives Podcast on Facebook. Like our page to make sure you don't miss an episode and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter. Search lives underscore stolen 
and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. This episode has been researched, written, hosted and produced by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Ah, your morning commute. Train is roasting. Roasting. Like a bean in a barista made coffee from Uber Eats. That's a better type of roasting. Roasting the sweet goodness from Arabica and Robusta beans. A fluffy milk canopy of foam nestling on top. Soon to be nestling on your top lip. Search coffee to order from Costa Coffee on Uber Eats. Mmm, morning cappuccino. Check the Uber Eats app for geographical restrictions and availability.